Dear Broadies, before I get to the episode, I want to take a moment to address the June 24th, 2022 Supreme Court decision to overturn Roe v. Wade. This decision stripped away the right to have a safe and legal abortion in the United States. Everyone should have the freedom to decide what's best for themselves and their families, including when it comes to ending a pregnancy. This decision has dire consequences for individual health and safety, and could have harsh repercussions for other landmark decisions in this country. Restricting access to comprehensive reproductive care, including abortion, threatens the health and independence of all Americans and people who live in America. Learn more by visiting choice.crd.co. That's choice.crd.co. If you're able to support others, please consider donating to abortion funds. You can find a list of where to donate in each state at donationsforabortion.com. That's donations, the number four, abortion.com. I have personally started donating to states where trigger laws go into effect immediately. Remember, even if you can only spend $1 or $5, that helps. There are things we can do to fight this, and it is going to take continued focus and community support. So I encourage you to speak up, take care, and spread the word. And I remember us being like, well, no, survivors want to have fun too. You know, like it, it really can't just be all like trauma and processing. Like a, a part of the healing is like literally having fun and being with your homegirls. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Pod Broads. This is a podcast about women in podcasting, and I'm your host, Alexandra Cole. Hello, hello. Welcome to another episode of the Pod Broads. It is so nice to have you here with me this week. And I'm recording this on a particularly lovely day in Queens. It's finally hitting 70 degrees, thank God. And it's highly likely you might hear some sounds of other excited folks who are just out and about, birds, bugs, planes included, motorcycle sounds. So if you hear some of that in the background, just know that we are thrilled that it's finally getting warm in New York City. But I am going to jump right in and tell you a bit about this week's guest, Diosa Femme. She is the co-host and co-creator of Locatora Radio. Now, if you were here with me last week when I interviewed Diosa's co-host, Mala Munoz, then you know at least a bit of a lot about Locatora at this point. But if you haven't listened to that one yet, emphasis on the yet, because you should def go back and listen, especially after you listen to this episode, so you get to hear both sides of their stories. But I'm going to intro Locatora through the words of Diosa in an old Forbes article featuring them in their work. She says, We talk about things that in our communities have historically been discussed in hushed whispers or coded language. Survivor experiences, street harassment, femicides, and violence against women, toxic masculinity, queer antagonism, and heteronormativity. In short, our listeners can relate. And in a perfect continuation of Sexual Assault Awareness Month, I do want to extend a content warning related to sexual violence for parts of our conversation today. Diosa shares the very intimate inspiration point behind her stage name, the power of sensuality in survivor healing, the intentional meaning and choice behind the podcast name, and how violence against women is way too often used as an entertainment device in our culture. 
We also get into some of the production choices and workplace culture goals that we both have and their hilarious and necessary segments like quote unquote weird things white women do and a forthcoming one that you'll hear about toward the very end of our chat. But first, I'm dropping you into the beginning where we really get into podcast listener boundaries as both a consumer and a creator. Well, Diosa, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you so much for having me. It's been so great watching you build out your podcast. I know you started as like a blog, a website featuring podcasters, women podcasters. So it's exciting to see that you decided to launch your own. Thank you. I really appreciate that. Um, I feel like something I've enjoyed about kind of both of our platforms and when I was able to hear about Locatora at Work It and like just since I guess now 2019 also watching YouTube grow in the work that you're doing and just like the way you do your promo and now the like 90 days to 100k for the production company it's just I'm always so excited seeing seeing you two get to expand what you're working on and it's it's just great. Thank you. Yeah, it's definitely been a journey. I think we've really we've had a lot of growing pains in terms of professionalizing mm-hmm. the podcast because I think like well we started out as a podcast like as a little passion project and then it became a side hustle and a passion project and then it became a full-time <laughs> job. And then with that comes the business side of it, which, you know, artists are infamously not good at handling the business stuff. (laughs) So, you know, a lot of stuff we're doing really late that maybe I think it's finding a balance, like not doing it prematurely because you don't really know where the podcast can go. At least we did not But then also not doing things too late, like starting the LLC years later. Like that's where we're at right now. We're at like that, (laughs) that crossroads of like, oh, shit, we should have been doing this like two years ago. But okay, it's fine. We're doing it now. Uh, Yeah, I totally know that feeling. I think that I'm also in the midst of LLC creation and being like, oh, I'm I didn't kind of the same vibe like when I started that very first like singular blog idea which was like looking back is like so hilarious to think about like the one scrolling page I had for my blog (laughs) Um, but I had no idea that it was just going to become all these things and like all these things that work together and and like and and feed off of each other but I definitely resonate with the struggle part with just like my brain does not take in that information in the way it takes in other information. Yes. It's very difficult. Um, but we'll, we'll definitely be getting into more of that stuff. But I want to make sure you have a moment to intro yourself. So who you are outside of work and then who you are in your work and what you do. Yeah. So I am Diosa. I'm the co-founder, co-producer of Locatora Radio, which is a Latina-led podcast. And we archive the stories of women of color, women and femmes of color, We've been podcasting since 2016, and through that, I've worked at a nonprofit. Now I work in the private sector, but in healthcare, managing services for folks with developmental disabilities, Mm. non-work related. um, (laughs) I mean, I guess this is still work, but I'm a writer. I'm a freelance (laughs) writer. Uh, Definitely trying to find my identities outside of work and like strengthen that. So like right now I'm training for a half marathon. I like 
am in the midst of like week one. That's dope. Um, and I like to read. I have dogs. I like to go dancing in the before times. I loved to go out dancing. I love to drink IPAs. Like I'm a beer <laughs> drinker. I love a cocktail. I'm a social drinker. Um, I, I, I try to find a good balance okay. of like being an active person in fitness, but also like, I love to eat. I love to drink. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I totally feel that. I always love hearing people respond to this question because, you know, you, you see different approaches. Like some people are like, Oh, okay. Separate, separate. And then everything they say is work related. Cause it is so hard. I think for creators too to like be able to separate the two. Cause sometimes you can't like, even when you saying like a writer, like mm -hmm. you're, you're us, we, people who identify as writers, we're writers regardless of work or not. Like, yes. But then also in our work, we are writers too. So it's it's impossible to separate those two it's things. It's so hard. Yeah, definitely. I, th I think when you're a content creator too, you're like constantly online. And like me, I'm trying to create boundaries of like, all right, I don't need to be online all day. But also I do. I know, exactly. <laughs> Yeah, I well, actually, before we hit record for this actual episode, we were talking about COVID because we both had it. But I think that having COVID, one of the pos the silver linings, I guess you could say, is it really took me off social media for like a week. Mm. And it made me be like, OK, how can I try and start to shift the way that I had been doing since now. Mm. I mean, this whole week got fucked up. So it's not like I'm on a posting schedule anymore. Like maybe I can switch my posting schedule so I'm not up so early and it's not the first thing I look at in the morning. So that's something positive at least, but it is it is tough. Um, and that's also somewhere I want to start though with talking to you because I, I spoke about this with Mala on last week's episode and we went into kind of her individual journey of like the online persona that she has and then how both of your online personas just really ended up complementing each other. And that was kind of like one of the inception points of you two working together. So I really wanted to hear yeah. your side of Dios FM and like, when yeah. did that become a thing? How did it become a thing and why that name? Yeah. So it was, Definitely a journey, to say the <laughs> least. Um, I would say the simple answer is that it started as an Instagram handle mm -hmm. um, when I was a senior in undergrad. So that was in 2015. Okay. Um, it actually, actually, it started as La Diosa Puta. Oh, yeah? <laughs> uh, yeah, that was the original concept. And then it, it shifted because I was like kind of over that. And it, so it shifted to Diosa Femme, I think, that same year. And um, it kind of took on a life of its own, but there is a backstory to it that I haven't really shared very that I don't share too often. I don't even know if I've shared it on the podcast, but of course I have with Mala and in conversation. Mm -hmm. um, but when I was um, a senior in college, I want to give a trigger warning to sexual violence. Okay. Um, so when I was an undergrad, I was studying abroad and I was sexually assaulted mm -hmm. and finding this persona that was or creating this persona for myself that was deeply rooted in like sensuality and feeling sexual for myself mm -hmm. and like with a partner that I choose to be with um, or not just for myself um, was a ongoing journey that I had that around that time and since then. Mm -hmm. And so for me, it started by trying to embody like, well, what is a goddess, right? What is a diosa? What is a goddess? And how can 
that be centered around myself, where I'm practicing worshiping myself literally mm, yeah. and nobody else, right? And so there's there's definitely layers and depth to it. Um, yeah. But this, like I said, the simple answer, it was an Instagram handle. Right. And when we created the podcast, you know, Mala had her own reasons for wanting to use a stage name or a persona. And it just like complemented so well because we were we were both doing it in our yeah. own ways. And um, and yeah, I mean, that was the inception. And I think starting the podcast like really solidified that identity to others, mm-hmm. right? It was like one thing, like for me, it was an Instagram handle, but it had like a very deep meaning for me and my journey as a survivor and healing and reclaiming parts of myself. Um, but then when it became part of the podcast, it became like, well, this is what people call me. And now it's it's like my government name has its own sense of intimacy, like for my mm. family members and my really close friends. So it's like, oh, yeah, like, you know me on this very deep personal level. And I think it, in a way it creates a boundary that's needed because because of the nature of podcasts, like so, yeah. pe- so many people can know so much about you and you have no idea who they are. And I mm-hmm. say that like respectfully, like I love our listeners. They've like really like you know, pushed us forward, propelled us forward to where we are. Um, But there's an imbalance in that where you can know so much about me and I don't know anything about you. And so I think it, without knowing it, we created or I created this like very necessary boundary. Yeah, I think that's a really good point. I there's two things I want to just kind of respond to in what you said. The first one leading off of what you just said about this feeling that I think a lot of us get when we listen to podcasts, we're like, I feel like I'm friends with this person because it is so intimate. You're hearing my voice, their voice in your ear every week, every other week, every day sometimes. Um, But there's this piece and I hate that I can't remember the name of it. Maybe you've seen it or read it. I want to say it's in Bellow Collective or it's one of the writers that has written for or does write for Bellow Collective, but it's literally about this. It's like, it's not not like a how to, but like a kind of like how to check yourself to make sure that you're not overstepping those boundaries and like you don't actually know this person personally. Um, so I think that's a great reminder just for listeners and just knowing that this is a certain type of entertainment. And even though this mm-hmm. is me right now, I'm still on because I'm right. behind a mic right now. Um, absolutely yeah yeah I mean yeah oh I'm gonna have to look that up because there was this one I'll share like this quick story yeah where this one listener um or I don't know if she's even still a listener but this person that followed me messaged me to say they listened to an episode and they didn't agree with the guest and the, the style the context of the episode they didn't agree with it they said that if we didn't check ourselves we were gonna lose a bunch of followers and lose a bunch <laughs> of listeners and this was I I looked at it recently because I was like cleaning out my DMs and this Mm -hmm. message was sent like in 2018 and I was like, look, (laughs) we're still here. But but what was funny about it was that she, you know, went off and didn't because she didn't agree with the guests that we had. And then maybe a couple weeks later, I had posted something about like a skincare and she was asking me about the product and my routine and this and this and that. And I'm like, um, I can see your previous message. And I didn't right. respond to her either times because I was like, I'm not giving this energy. Yeah. But yeah, like I've never DM'd a creator that I liked. Like I know them like and DM them in the in the context like, oh, I know this person. Right. And I've never commented on a creator that I love like 
talking shit either. You yeah. know, like I've never done that. And, and maybe it's because I'm, I'm on the, the smaller end of it, right. As in a micro way. Yeah. Um, but I've never done that. So yeah, folks, there are listeners that definitely need to check themselves in that way. <laughs> <laughs> I think our listeners come correct though. There's yeah. like, a, there's the occasional like DM like that, but yeah. for the most part, they come correct. They respect it. Yeah. I feel, I mean, I think it's unavoidable at a certain point. Like there's always going to be people like that. And I say that so calmly, but like if I was on the receiving end, I'd be feeling so many emotions, but I'm like, I have to remind myself that that comes with the territory. Um, <laughs> Oh, yeah. I'm definitely someone that takes the messages like the DMs to heart or the criticism to heart. And I'm like, Mala, but and Mala's the one that like checks it. She's like, no, you know, and she'll like bring me back and like ground me in that way. But I'm like very sensitive. So I'm like, okay. (laughs) I love that, though. That's like a that's like a beautiful part of just like being able to be in partnership with someone who's in the exact same spot as you are to be able to like balance balance out those reactions for sure. Yes. So another part that I wanted to respond to was, first of all, thank you for sharing that with me on the pod about what happened to you in senior year. And I wanted to say I love that you brought up like that, the sensuality part. I right away, it made me think about when I was first starting to really deal with the reality of the childhood sexual abuse that I had experienced and kind of like these, these moments that perpetuated the trauma I was already dealing with, but weren't exactly like exact iterations of like sexual trauma, if that makes sense. It was just like these kind of toxic patterns that I was getting in. But I remember when I finally started to like verbalize it and started talking about it with people around me that actually were like supportive and helpful. I was speaking with like a family friend, but she's also a counselor in her own right and helped me a lot throughout college. But one of the things that she suggested I do was to just like touch my body and not not like in like a purely like masturbatory sense, just like literally like touch my arm or like touch my legs or like find like sensual feelings that feel good to me so that I can feel safe in my body and trust my own senses of things. And so I think that's such an important element and something I see talked about in certain like parts of these conversations, but I still think not a lot of people make that connection all the time about like the owning of your sexuality after experiencing some type of sexual trauma. So I just love that piece. Yeah, I think that that's a really big, at least for me, like that was a really big piece of it. I was like, okay, I I mean, and I also like, without sharing too much, right? (laughs) Um, Whatever you're comfortable with. (laughs) I think at the time, it was doubly hard. Um, It was really painful and difficult because I was sexually assaulted by a man. And at the time I had never been in any type of relationship with a man. Mm. And I like identified at the time as a lesbian. And so then even after that, and like in that healing journey, I found myself in a place where like, okay, wait, I actually do want to experience a consensual relation sexual relationship with a man yeah and it and it and that kind of tapping into that part of my sexuality led me to discovering like my own identity or re-identifying as bisexual Mm. and queer and so that that journey like took me to all these different places of like finding what I liked either like for myself Mm -hmm. you know or like with another partner and so it was definitely a journey and that started with like I need to own every action that I take and every 
everything, the way that I dress, like the way that I move in the world, like I need to own that. And that needs to, that was a part of that journey. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, and so much of this has come into inform the work that you are doing with the podcast. And so before we really get into those pieces, I want to hear about the inception story because I I actually didn't re- like know this and I don't know if it was the first time you two shared about it, but on the episode that you did together about the 90 days to 100k kind of campaign for the production company, one of the things that you mentioned was how you were the one that came to Mala and you were like let's do a podcast. So let's go back to that point. What was going on for you? What made you think podcast? Like how long, how long was the inception of the idea to the execution of it? And why did you approach Mala? Why was she, was she the one that you wanted to do it with? Yeah. Okay. So <laughs> what was going So at the time I was working at a nonprofit and man, <laughs> for anyone that's worked in the nonprofit sector, you yep. know, like, <laughs> It really drains you, sucks the life out of you. And it's also like very stifling. Mm-hmm. You know, I like the not the organization, the nonprofit itself was doing like really impactful work, but there was no there's there's no room in your professional life if you're working at a nonprofit. Also it depends on what kind of nonprofit, of course, but mm-hmm. there's no room for creativity. Mm. And so I felt like, okay, I moved back from Santa Barbara to LA where I'm from. I'm reestablishing friendships or making new friendships, navigating Los Angeles as an adult. And um, I wanted to do something creative, but I also knew that I was like not ready to dabble with writing. So even though I got my degree in it, I was (laughs) like, no, I was like, I'm not writing. I'm not pitching. I'm not doing no, I'm not doing any of that. (laughs) But what also what was popular, though, at the time was like and they still are like Instagram pages, of course, anyone can make them, but like the Instagram platform, right, was like really emerging at the time where mm-hmm. like the feminists, Latinx, you know, POC like platforms were like really being created, at least in to my in my sphere. Like yeah. I was seeing them more and more. And I thought, well, that is really cool. But I also felt like there were so many valuable and incredible ones already existing. And so my friend had put me on to a podcast called Radio Menea, which is a music podcast Mm -hmm. um, that highlights Latinx musicians or artists. And when I was listening to it, I was like, okay, this is cool. They seem like everyday people in the sense like they're not trained to do podcasts or audio or or radio. Um, And so like, why not? Mm -hmm. And that was literally the idea. I was like, why not start a podcast? And that was it. And then that led me to reaching out to Mala. And to be honest, like there was nobody else that I thought of. Like it wasn't like, oh, I made a list and was like, I'm going to ask different people and see who says yes. It was like literally nothing like that. I think like I just saw her energy. We had followed each other on Instagram for so long. Mm -hmm. I liked her energy. I thought she was really funny. She had like really like great critiques and analysis on things. And I thought she was beautiful. And I was like, well, obviously, like that, like <laughs> I have to partner with a baddie. And um, and so she was like Amazing. the only person that I thought of and I reached out to and like she immediately said yes. And I remember because this was in the summer, I want to say it was maybe like in June or July, but mm-hmm. we didn't actually conceptualize until September of that same year. And then we launched in November. So it was about what I don't know how long that was, like five, six months. Okay. 
Yeah. Yeah. That was, that was the process, the conceptualization, the inception of the podcast. Amazing. And so you hadn't even like hung out in person before you proposed the idea or you had, and then we had met at a, like a big meetup, like a collective meetup in April of that year. I think Mala mentioned that. And yeah, having COVID brain still, I was like, (laughs) no worries. I was like, that sounds familiar now. Yeah. So we, we had met at, we met at this meetup in downtown LA and it was so great because I didn't know she was going. She didn't know I was going, there were no plans to meet, but I'll like never forget being outside, like trying to find my friend. Cause we're going to go into this building together, this club together. Mm -hmm. And I hear a voice go, Oh my God, it's Diosa. And it was Mala. <laughs> That's amazing. And yeah, and like I'll yeah, like yeah, we talk about it, you know, when we recall this meeting for the first time. It's mm-hmm. like what we were wearing, like the group we were with. Like these are like unforgettable details for me. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, then exchanging phone numbers and the whole thing. And then it and it was still like a very surface friendship. Like mm-hmm. we would meet like every couple of months maybe every couple of weeks and like slowly like our little group of friends like started building like a real friendship and yeah. we started going out and the whole thing all in, the, all in that time behind the scenes she and I were like talking like okay so should we start a, should we start a podcast right yeah and so now in retrospect I'm like okay I went into business with somebody I didn't really know <laughs> You know, like now you know doing what all I the mean? professional stuff, you're like, oh, yeah, shit. I'm like, oh shit, right? Because, yeah, I mean, people say like, don't go into business with friends, right? And I think that it it worked in the sense that like, I think not knowing each other very well allowed us to establish those boundaries that you need when starting a business, mm-hmm. and then also like starting a friendship, right? Yeah. You know, and even now, like Mala and I will text like all day, you know, about you know, lots of different things. But sometimes like I'll I'll want to text her at like 11. And so I'll like text her and I'll be like, do not reply until the morning. I just, I need to tell you this before I forget, right? And so like yeah. wanting to respect those boundaries of like everyone needs their time off. Nobody wants to be on the clock 24 hours, right? But sometimes you have ideas and you want to tell the other person. Yeah. And so really trying to respect those boundaries as well. <laughs> so funny. I just tweeted the other day. I was like, when are we going to get like schedule, like the ability to schedule text like we can for email? I was like, I because I also, I, I forget who it was, but I had an idea in my head at like 11 o'clock at night. And I was like, I really want to text this and I don't want to forget, but I also don't want to bother them right now. Yeah, no, it's true. (laughs) We do need that. Yes. (laughs) Hey friends, today I'm doing something a little bit different. I want to shout out a podcast called Sweet Better that is doing some really cool things in the history space. And it's all about Sappho. Who is Sappho, you ask? Sappho is the first woman in the European literary tradition, one of only a few poets we know from antiquity, and the OG lesbian, or rather, where the modern use of the word lesbian comes from. Introducing Sweet Bitter, an investigative podcast where we delve into the truth and controversy of Sappho, her life, the Isle of Lesbos, and her relevance today. Each episode, we take you through a fragment of Sappho's poetry, life, and legacy. You can find Sweet Bitter on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. So I want to talk a little bit about like some some of the the ways that you describe locatora and the little the tagline that you two have. So the, those are two separate things. So the first one is um, like part of the reason that it was created. And I don't know if this is something that came up in those like five months of 
kind of the cultivation of the idea or if it was something that you kind of honed and like found words for as you were going along. But one of the ways of describing it is to archive the legacies, geniuses and brilliance of women and femmes of color. And the word that sticks out to me is archive, because I think that's such a specific one. And it clearly we're talking about history here and the recording of history and the types of history that we're recording. And so I just wanted to hear from you why that specific word choice, what did you feel like was missing in, I guess, the way that art was tracking what was going on in like in your community and in the communities that you wanted to feature? Okay, I'll be honest. I don't remember when exactly the tagline was created if it was because we had like one big conceptualization meeting where then we established the name Las Mamis of Myth and Bullshit, our name, <laughs> our, you know, stage names that we were going to go, you know, go forward and use those. Um, and so I can't recall if that also happened there. But for us, you know, when looking at the landscape in 2016, there were few Latina led podcasts and there were few that were talking about survivor centered topics mm -hmm. and stories. And so that was the a really big piece of creating Locatora, right? And even just the name, mm -hmm. right? A, a locutor or locutora in Spanish is a radio host. And women are called crazy. And in our communities, women are called locas when mm. they either live their lives outside of the norm, uh, live outside their, live their lives outside of like the family societal norm, or just speak truth to power, maybe call out an abuser in their family, right? Mm -hmm. um, they're, they're, that's what we're called, right? We're gaslit and we're called locas. Mm -hmm. And so we're, so when thinking about naming the podcast, that was, that was like the only thing, you know, in terms <laughs> of like, no, this has to be it, right? Yeah. We, and we just did like a very simple, um, like brain dump, like just word search of like, okay, let's just start writing different things. Let's start writing different names in Spanish, different words in Spanish and see what we can come up with. And so because we knew that it was going to be a survivor centered podcast, that that is what led us to the name of Locatora. Mm -hmm. um, and then in regards to archiving, going back to what I originally said was at the time, there weren't that many in, in 2016. There's a ton now, which is fantastic. <laughs> Um, but at the time, there weren't that many. And so we were thinking like, okay, well, we need to archive, we need to preserve our stories, our community stories, the work that they're doing. And it's really amazing to see like people that we interviewed in 2016, 2017, however many years back and to see where they are now, mm -hmm. you know, and like one yeah. that stands out to me that was more recent, I would say maybe like season three was... We interviewed Kali Fajardo Anstein. She's like now a National Book Award finalist. Yeah. She's received a ton of accolades. And what really stands out to me, and she's phenomenal. Like mm -hmm. when I first read her work, um, I was like obsessed. I read her um, collection of short stories called Sabrina and Corina. And she happened to, a friend of ours was coordinating a, like a book club reading and um, so she was coming out to L.A. And so I reached oh. out to her and I was like, please come on my podcast. Like, we would love to have you. This is who we are. And so I like distinctly remember her saying that her publisher like wasn't giving her the budget to like really move the book. Mm. Right. And so she wasn't getting that kind of support that like 
maybe non-people of color authors get or non-authors of colors get, right? Yeah. And um, then to see her like really like get all of the accolades that she deserves and to see like the publisher actually backing lots of different things now is amazing, right? Mm -hmm. And so I think that there are so many of the guests that we have um, that are a testament to that, what that archive is and where they were in their journey as artists or even just as individuals and also ours, like you can in direct ways or indirect ways, like we know stuff that we were going through, what was happening in our lives during some episodes because we lived it and we remember recording and we were like, damn, this like, it's going to be hard to record today, but we're going to get this done, right? Mm -hmm. Or like actually saying on the podcast, X, Y, and Z is happening right now. Um, and that's part of the archive as well. Yeah. Um two things again but I'm so glad that you brought up her episode because that was that was the one that I had like featured a while ago now on Padreland and it was it was just I remember when I was like kind of sifting through your episodes after I had heard you two speak at work it that one I immediately gravitated towards because it had to do with ancestral trauma and like I had been studying transgenerational trauma as like a part of my thesis when I was doing my master's program and I was just like yes, thank you. And then I remember I was like, I was back when, you know, we could safely go to gyms. I would go to this one gym that had like a little sauna in the, you know, the bathroom area or whatever. So I was like listening to that episode, like in the sauna, just like chilling. And then I was like taking notes on it. Cause I was like, oh, I'm definitely going to feature this one on the website. And ever since then I've been following her and I actually ordered her book during like quarant like this whole last year, but I haven't read it yet because I haven't been able to read. Like I just I haven't had a brain to read in like the last like six months, I feel like, just from everything. I don't know how it's affected you, but like a lot of the stay at home stuff and like stress of this year, I haven't been able to like really sit down with like literature and be able to actually like read it. But it's like number one on my list for when I feel ready to read again. But I'm really excited to read it and I love I also like follow her on Instagram and I'm like been really excited to see how well she's been doing. And I may have, I'm sure I would have heard of her eventually, but I don't know if I would have heard of her like as early as I did, if not for that episode. Amazing. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, the book will definitely be there when you're ready for yes. sure. Um, but yeah, no, I like that one stands out to me so much because she shared that with us. I don't remember if she shared that on the actual interview, mm. but I do remember her saying like, it's the community is what has pushed this book forward. Mm -hmm. Like it's been a lot of word of mouth. It's been a lot of Instagram posts of people sharing, um, buying it for their friends, buying it for each other. And that that was making an impact. Right. And because she wasn't getting the type of support that she deserved. Yeah. And I mean, there's so many other guests that we've had that I can, I can call to. I mean, even like Vanessa Romo, who was on, she's a plus size model and she was mm -hmm. on Nuestra Belleza Latina and uh, she competed in that, you know, was disqualified, but then is like now signed with like Wilhelmina oh, wow. modeling agency. <laughs> she's like signed with like three different, you know, agencies. And she's like really blown up in her career, which is amazing to see. And she started literally just taking photos and posting them on Instagram, you know, yeah. and she has like a full on modeling career. Yeah. And so like, those are like really impactful. I mean, there's so many, but like, those are really impactful. And I think that that's why the archive is important. And not only the guests that we have, but even just the, the thematic episodes that we do, where we talk about, you know, femme defense or femme tech or mm -hmm. uh, goddess worship, um, 
sexuality, you know, all these different things, because I like to think of the podcast as like the sex ed. And I, I wouldn't define <laughs> our show as like sexual education, but I do think that we have the convos that your mom didn't want to have with you, right? Mm-hmm. Or like maybe your maybe your primas, maybe your cousins had these conversations with you in secret, right? Like yeah. at the little family get togethers. And so <laughs> I like to think of the podcast that way. You know, it's like the the little like conversations that you weren't allowed to have what you wanted to have. Yeah, and well, and also with that archive piece when when you were explaining before it got me thinking how perfect it is too in it being such a survivor centered space because I mean, many of us who have deal with PTSD, who've dealt with like intense sexual trauma, like one of the things that you can experience is a lot of memory loss, like having difficulty, like keeping just memories, like in the complete aftermath, not even talking about the event itself, because that, that sticks with you. Parts of that sticks with you. But I, I think it's really cool to have like the auditory, like the oral archive of where you were in that moment, because I don't know about you, but like I have the things that I remember. I'm like, oh, I remember that. Or like it it was either really wonderful or really terrible. And I'm like, that always sticks in my brain um, just in general life. But I if I'm not writing something down in a journal or keeping it archived in a recording, there's so much I forget or that I can't remember from childhood around the time that I was abused or things like that. I'm like, I have no memory of that. So it's, it's so important to have the actual tangible memory that you're creating with this. Yes, absolutely. And I think like that, that in addition to that, it's also like trying to find a lighthearted way Mm -hmm. to talk about these topics. And I think that we've found a good balance of doing that. And because you you brought up work it i remember when we were t- at work it you know someone made a comment about someone asked a question or so, it, i can't remember the verbatim what they said but it was something in relation to like nightlife mm-hmm. and survivors right and i don't remember if it was like a, a critique or basically saying like how can you have podcast parties and like also like think about how unsafe nightlife can be and all those different things they were like making some type of connection like that and mm. this was at work it right mm-hmm. and i remember and i remember us being like well no survivors want to have fun too right you know like it, it really can't just be all like trauma and processing <laughs> exactly. like a, a part of the healing is it's like literally having fun <laughs> yeah. and being with your home girls you know and like, but also being intentional about the space that you create mm-hmm. as event night or nightlife curators, right? Yeah. It's like you have to be, you you want to create as, as safe as possible because it is nightlife, right? And so, yeah, I think with that, like being survivor centered is also like recognizing like uh, we want to have fucking fun too, mm-hmm. period. Exactly. <laughs> that yeah. was, uh, that was one of the things that uh, that Mala and I talked about because like I wanted to bring that one up because I remember that was the first time when I saw you two speak that was the first time that I had heard about the idea of like a survivor-centered nightlife because I also am someone who like before I'm you know now feeling like I'm getting old and I'm exhausted also this year it's just different but like I love going out to dance like I love you know just being able to be like out when I'm not feeling overworked um, but that idea that it could be, you know, us as the ones in power in those spaces or like cultivating it in a way to have it be in your power as much as it can be, because obviously you can only have so much control. But 
I I was just so stoked and I was like totally fangirling like talking about it because I was just like that was just so cool to me and it was also I heard about it like right in the midst of like finally starting to deal with my own shit like I really had like I had like repressed it for so long like hadn't spoken about it for years and like I just heard you two talk about that at like the perfect time and I was just like I'm so here for this and oh I'm so glad yeah yeah Yeah. um and kind of to that point of just like the mix of like yes the serious discussion and serious like tools and you know how things are affecting us but also that kind of fun mixed in I think one episode where you you two do that really well. I mean, you always do it really well, but one that comes to mind is the one I mentioned I wanted to talk about is there's one where you talk about WAP. Um, And if you've been living under a rock, that means wet ass (laughs) pussy, but I'm sure most of you have heard it if you're listening to this podcast. But part of that episode, I also remembered when you were just talking was how that video itself, you were saying could be very like, sexually informative like a form of sex ed of like oh you're supposed your pussy's supposed to be wet when you're having sex and if it's not then what's wrong like what's going on like are you feeling safe with your partner etc it's like it's a good check-in with yourself but also in that conversation you two talk about which is something I hadn't really thought about in in this way but how a lot of times in the media like the abuse and pain of women is kind of used as entertainment and yes, so I wanted to hear a little bit more on that from your perspective and then just how Locatora like completely combats that even in like the pr- the production of it, like the way you choose to do interviews, the way that you format your shows and things like that. Yeah, I mean, I think a lot of like television and media is like very it's very much centered around women's pain you know Mm -hmm. and like trauma you know I mean and you can think of like a show that is really popular and I know a lot of survivors that love it which is like law and order SVU (laughs) right like you know but like literally the 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 entire point of the show is like you know trying to um seek justice right which we know doesn't happen in real life Mm -hmm. um for survivors right that are like brutally raped and just like and period like they're brutally raped and like that's what we see right and like that's a form of entertainment right and like whether you like the show or not like i have no problem with that i I really don't yeah like that's not what i'm getting at my point is like those are things that we deem appropriate to show on television Mm -hmm. but a song like wet ass pussy (laughs) you know women of all sizes and colors are twerking is Mm -hmm. like inappropriate and is so scandalous and is going to corrupt all of the children (laughs) you know like it just doesn't make sense and I mean and there's so many layers to that topic as well because you know you you have to you can't talk about wet ass pussy and this amazing music video with and not mention like these are two black women that are owning their sexuality and that are at the center of it Mm -hmm. um like and of course the racists come out as well the misogynists come out as well so it's like you it'd be remiss to not mention that you know okay one more important psa Here's my challenge for you. Take a screenshot right now of this episode and share on social media with a tag to Podgerland and the guest. I want to know that you're listening and I want to shout you out. Also, 
Are you signed up for Padreland's email list yet? Because as much as I love social media and connecting through there, I'm also preparing for its demise, and I want to make sure that I stay in touch with you and we have control over our communication. Not only will you get important updates about this show, you'll get recommendations of other women-hosted podcasts, news related to podcasters you love, discounts on my cute-ass merch, and much more. Okay, let's get back into this interview. Talk to me then a little bit about just the production and you can also go into like the growth of it too, because there's so many uh, over the years, over the last like four years, five seasons, right? I'm like double checking time because I feel like I have no concept of time in years anymore, <laughs> but uh, 2016, right? Yeah. So since 2016, you've had so much time to kind of explore like mm-hmm. a format that yeah. works and or just try new things each season if you want to. And I know last week we got to talk a little bit about like the themes, but this week I wanted to make sure that we also got to talk like segments, especially in like the more recent seasons. I I know you've you have some fun, fun segments that I'd love to hear the, hear the uh, brain, like the brainchild behind those segments. You know, sometimes things happen to you or to others and you want to, you're like, this is like, I know that our listeners would connect or relate to this, Mm -hmm. but they don't necessarily follow a theme, right, for the show at large. And so we've created different segments, like one that we don't do often, but we we love is called like Weird Things White Women Did. And I heard that and I was dying. I was like, this is great. (laughs) Because sometimes, you know, some weird shit happens and some white women say weird things to us. Um, And so that I don't I, you know, I want to say that that was that segment was actually born out of like Mala working in a predominantly white environment Mm. and with working with predominantly white women. And Mm -hmm. so she so she was like constantly like having like weird things said to her or having like these really like off putting experiences. And so that was like why we created that segment. Mm-hmm. Um, we have like our listener Q&A segment, which we called Oye Locas. Um, I think we have another segment, but I, I don't know. I think there might be another. <laughs> Those are definitely like the top two that Those I was thinking about though. Yeah. Yeah. But they weren't um, always there, right? No. Like, so when did they start to develop? I have no idea. Sure. Like, like you, I'm like, I don't know what the timeline <laughs> it looks know. like anymore. I think it's hard to, and like speaking about the format, like we, and this, I, this wasn't really intentional, but it's like, now that we're like deep in the podcast field, it's like, okay, people have seasons, Mm -hmm. like multiple seasons in a year, right? We do like year long seasons. And so because of that, I'm like, I don't really know what's what anymore because it's been, you know, so many years now (laughs) we're on the fifth season. So, you know, we're entering the fifth year. And so because of that, I'm like. I don't remember exactly when we started doing certain things. Mm-hmm. I just know that we did it. <laughs> um, and and recurring, and, they, and we do them because they work, right? Like if right. we didn't get listener feedback, if, you know, someone was like, no, this was terrible, I didn't like this. And it's like, okay, it didn't work, <laughs> we tried it. But like they've stayed because they've worked. And what's funny is like when people send us like their own experiences of like, oh yeah, this thing happened to me mm-hmm. by said person. And... Um, one thing that like we do want to, we haven't uh, like launched it on an episode, but it's like kind of like the, the same idea of like weird things white women did, but it's like shit that men say to you, you Mm -hmm. know, or like interactions with men where it's just like, did that really happen today? You know? And so that, that'll be a segment that, that comes eventually. Is that a segment that we're going to get to hear soon? Cause I 
Definitely. Yes. Okay. I'm definitely yeah. excited to hear that, that section. Yeah. Men do weird shit, you know, whether that be like literally anywhere. It doesn't matter where you are. If you're in proximity to a man and that, and I mean anywhere because even online, like weird shit happens, right? Like men do mm-hmm. weird things. Um, so yeah, that's definitely a segment that we want to introduce. Yeah. And with the, with the Oye Locos part of it, how, how has it been being able to like parse through these questions and like what goes into like choosing the one you're going to do that week? And how, how do you handle being on the other side, knowing you're like giving advice that this listener is really going to take to heart? Like, how do you navigate that? It's so funny because somebody, a listener tweeted at us and they were like, they made like a joke about how, when we do this segment, we're, we're always, we always say something like, I don't know, but also do what you want. Yeah. Like, it's basically how we like, well, end things. We're always just like, okay, we're going to tell you what we think, but also literally take what you will with mm-hmm. this information and literally make your own decision, right? But so in terms of like picking what we, the questions that we answer, like it's finding a balance because sometimes we get really, really intense questions and I mm-hmm. understand why, but also recognizing our own limitations. Like we're not trauma therapists. Mm-hmm not licensed therapists right and so keeping that in mind like not opening up the doors you know to these kinds of questions because Mm -hmm. the last thing we want to do is like re-traumatize people and then be like okay bye like see you next time and so it's really finding that balance of like okay we can like answer questions that are kind of like on the surface of really difficult things right Mm -hmm. And then also like really funny ones, like yeah. when people ask us, like, have you ever had a threesome? Because I'm thinking about it, right? Yeah. You, you know, and then there's also like really intense questions about like, we had a question about someone whose mother is a hoarder and like mm. trying to help her through that, you know? I think and I heard so, that. Yeah, that one I heard. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so what we'll do is like, we'll think about like our own experiences. Like, I wouldn't say my mother's a hoarder, but she definitely like, definitely likes to save things, <laughs> right? And she sees like a use for them. And, um, you know, so talking about it from that perspective of like, you know, we've had this experience, that experience and moving forward like that. Yeah, I think that that's definitely smart. And I and I like the approach too, because I mean, I know, at least in my experience of just like going through intensive therapy, like a lot of what you walk away with is, you know, if they're doing their job, they're there to help you figure out what's actually right for you and not trying to make the decision for you. And again, not to say that you two are like, being therapists, but I think that's helped me navigate how I just talk with like friends or like with my partner, make sure I'm not imposing too much of my perspective or like how I would be in that situation and more so what's going to make them feel more at peace in themselves and like in the choices they're making. Absolutely. I think also like people want to feel heard and like listened to. And so part of it is like, maybe they can't you know, have this conversation with their friends or their family or their partner. So it's like they want to, you know, vent to someone. And so I think that, you know, we take, we do take these questions like seriously, but in that it's like, we can't answer all of them because like I mentioned, like some of them are so intense where it's like, I, we, we just can't, Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. I think that's good to hear too, though. I mean, if any of your listeners are listening to this episode and they were a person who sent in something really intense, then it's like, well, this is why, you know, this is why it wasn't chosen. It's like no yeah. slight against you. And also I'm sure you get a bunch of them, but, but it, it, it's reminder. also, yeah. Also like going back to like the very beginning of our conversation, like talking about boundaries, it's like, 
sometimes we read them and we're like, oh, no, like we're too tired. Like we yeah. like we have our own shit that we're dealing with. Yeah. And it's just like, no, we can't. Like, I don't want to talk about that today. Like, maybe we can answer that another time. But like, I can't deal with that today. Yeah. And so respecting our own boundaries as well. And like wanting to, of course, like be supportive of our listeners, but also like recognizing our own limitations. And there's definitely also that piece. It sounds like from what you're talking about that you've experienced this, but I'm just identifying like the more and more I've gone into being a content creator on like Instagram or TikTok, just in the public sphere, the more I'm able to identify like moments with other content creators where I'm like, oh, this has nothing to do with me. And so there's like no reason to either like take offense or it's like you're more empathetic, you're more understanding, whether it's like timeline of responses, lack of responses, like things like that. It's like the more you're experiencing that, I mean, it just helps you understand like what that actual like landscape is like and how overwhelming it can be. (laughs) Yes, it's a lot. I mean, there's a reason that like big companies and teams like have like a social media person, Mm -hmm. you know, like they have teams of like social media strategists and like people working, managing their social media calendar. And so when you're a content creator, you're doing all of the above. Yeah. I think it's also amazing too, because, you know, you're still working your main job Mm -hmm. and you're doing this and you're building it out into a professional sphere. I was just, I was just talking with um, Lauren Popish, who's going to be on an upcoming episode. And she's, you know, also this past year been in the midst of like building up her own podcast related company. And we were just chatting about how, you know, you have your full-time or like some somewhere around full-time hour job of doing whether it's client work or like whatever the paid work is right and then you have the content you're creating and then you have the business that you're building and on top of the business you're building you also have the other job of now professionalizing it which is like its whole other job in a way of like meeting with lawyers and oh yeah reading contracts and submitting shit for an LLC like yeah it's the worst um yeah you're we're doing all of it and we're at a point now where we're like recognizing like well we've been at that point where we're recognizing like we have to delegate and so for us like one of the things was the audio Mm -hmm. and so it's like hiring an audio editor because I was editing the audio but our episodes would come out late because I'm like it was just too much on my plate so it's like okay in order to be consistent we need to hire someone we also want to better the audio quality and with that like came like okay it's time to delegate yeah and a part of a part of delegating is also letting go you know like you are no longer you're not in control of everything mm-hmm. you know and i also like think about because we don't have a full time team like i don't feel like anyone's boss right mm-hmm. um but i think i'm starting to think about like modeling like good work behavior in the sense of like i i'm not going to be like and I'm this, I'm just not this way as a person, but just in general, it's like, you don't want to be demanding of yeah. your team, right? Like you don't want to, like you want to meet them where they're at and like ask, like, do you think this is something you can do at, you know, X time, mm-hmm. you know, whatever. Um, and I think like for me, it's like, okay, leading with that kind of compassion and kindness that like I would want from an employer because I don't feel like an employer and I, I really don't think that we're there yet, but I do 
anticipate us getting there and like actually Mm -hmm. hiring people full time and just thinking about like what kind of boss do I want to be yeah you know like a literal boss like if I'm in if I'm an actual employer like (laughs) what kind of person do what kind of leader do I want to be right and I think with that is like at the actually like speaking of work it I was in a breakout session at work it and one of them one of the women was saying something like yeah you can tell your your staff to like take days off and do all of that. But if you're never doing it, they're mm. never going to think that it's okay, right? I remember that, yeah. And so that's what I mean. Like, and I, that stuck with me because it's like, yeah, you do have to model good behavior. You can't mm-hmm. be like texting anybody at midnight asking for things. Like, because then it's like, even though I know you shouldn't respond to me, I can text Mala at that time, right? But like other people like on our team, it's like, I know that you shouldn't respond to me. I don't want you to feel like you're pressured and you yeah. have to respond to me, right? And so like, working within those hours and because our folks are part-time it's like there's no um I don't want there to be a pressure like I have to be working more than part-time you Mm -hmm. know yeah yeah I think that that's such a good point and I think this is something that a lot of people who've been through nonprofit sector like understand but good on you if your nonprofit does not do this, but I uh, definitely feel like a lot of my training of what not to do has been learned through being in the nonprofit space. And I'm like, yes, <laughs> boundaries, as we've been mm-hmm. talking about boundaries, so many boundaries, but just like so respecting, yeah, just like respecting people's full lives. Like yeah. we're full yes. people. It's not just about work. Like, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I mean, and even in like, cause I'm working in the private sector right now and, and this is just like what comes with being corporate and not that Logan thought I would ever be corporate or anything, but it's like, <laughs> You know, like those really stifling things, like you can't show your tattoos. Like that's the thing at my job. Like you can't show your tattoos. You can't have colored hair. And like, of course, we would never cultivate that kind of workspace or like work (laughs) environment. That's like, it feels kind of like redundant to even say that. But it's just like that limitations of like how you can express yourself, I think is like really detrimental yeah. <laughs> when and it's so normalized right and it's like as like yeah like how as is, like work rules yeah and it's like how is how is this affecting my ability to do an amazing job you know right right it's not yes <laughs> it's literally <agreed>. not <laughs> well my final question for you today is about really just about like your personal growth. So, cause you've been at this for a long time. And like we talked about in the beginning of this conversation, a lot of times with being a creative, it all kind of comes together and intersects. It has to, I mean, it does for anybody. I would, I would like say, um, it doesn't actually have to be, you're in a create quote unquote creative job, but I do wonder with the type of work that you two are doing with this podcast, how has, doing this last four years impacted your growth with yourself and I guess just who, who you're becoming. Yeah. Um, okay. There's definitely, there's definitely been a lot of growth. Um, (laughs) I'm surprised this hasn't come up, but like I'm inherently an introvert. Right. And so, but I think with like the nature of the podcast, you, I mean, you can of course be an introvert, but you're at the end of the day, you're performing like you're on and when you have events, you're on and you're surrounded by a ton of people, you know, so it's like you're you're extroverted in that way. Right. And so I think for me, like the personal growth has been like allowing myself to be powerful in my like softness, you mm, know, I and I that. think like a lot of people or like I think it's not a lot of people. Nobody has said this, but I think it's like <laughs> e- 
<laughs> I think it's like easy to look at the dynamic between Mala and I and see like a very extroverted, outgoing person in Mala, right? Mm-hmm. But I, in, for myself, like as her counterpart and her other half, like I recognize like I'm powerful in my own way and I'm outgoing in my own way and it doesn't have to look like anybody else's, right? Mm-hmm. But that's also why we balance each other really well, you know? And, yeah. and I think that that's why the dynamic works. And so for me, I think just like simply being able to be on a microphone and use my voice and be comfortable and share my thoughts and opinions Sometimes I have anxiety about it, you know, but (laughs) like that's, that's growth. That's definitely growth, especially like for me coming from my like particular background in household, you know, I was like taught to be very quiet, you Mm. know, I was like socialized to be a quiet person, um, to be like respectful. Like if I had a different opinion of like, let's say my parents or whomever was around me, like I had to be respectful and not share mine. Right. And so I was Mm -hmm. like socialized and conditioned in that way. And so now to be able to share my opinions on a microphone, I think is like a really big sign of growth, right? Yeah. Like what you were saying, being powerful in using your words the way you want doesn't always have to be loud. And I think yes. that's such a great reminder. It can be if that's what you want it to be, but yes. it can be just as powerful when it's soft and mm-hmm. direct, you know? Yes. yes. Agreed. <laughs> Um, Okay, so we've made it to the rapid fire questions. And first one is, who would you name as either a podcast mentor or just someone that you emulate in this space? Podcast mentor. Um, I don't know. I mean, I wouldn't say she's a mentor per per se, but like Maria Hinojosa is definitely like the blueprint (laughs) in terms of like she founded her own company. Mm -hmm. So yeah. Okay. Definitely. What's her company called? Futuro Media. Okay. Oh, yeah. Mala mentioned that too. But yeah. I just want to make sure if for some reason you're listening to this episode first, <laughs> you, you know that and then go back <laughs> to the other one. Okay, cool. And then what are um, what are a couple of podcasts that we would find on your queue when you're just listening for pleasure? Okay. Um, I love Radio Ambulante. It's a Spanish language podcast. Mm-hmm. And um, they do different stories about Latin America. And so I really love that one. I love What a Day, Crooked Media's daily podcast. I, they give you like all your little like news updates um, because for me, I cannot be consuming news all that often. So it's like get my little, you know, in the morning. <laughs> um, and then, okay, this is like, this is like some escapism. Okay. okay all right. I'm ready. Um, and I'm not like, okay, I'll just say it. So I really like <laughs> listening to like Office Ladies. Okay. It's like a podcast by Earwolf, right? Mm-hmm. And it's like they they do they do like a, a watch of The Office like between two of the cast members, right? And I'm not like a big Office fanatic. Mm-hmm. Um, but I have watched the seasons with my partner and it's just some good escapism, you know? And so sometimes you just want to turn the brain off and listen yeah. to just pure entertainment that does it for me. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I think someone else listed Office Ladies as a top one, too, but I can't remember who now. Also, real quick, I know these are rapid fire, but I have to ask you, have you watched um, What We Do in the Shadows? Have you seen? Okay, you're like, <laughs> whoa, like what? totally in my brain because yes. Oh, my God. Obsessed. So good. 
I like it took a I took a script writing class and we had to watch it. So I wrote a script like based off of what we do in the shadows. Oh, that's so fun. So I'm like really immersed in the world right now because oh, like it's I, like, happening right now. Like you've literally I just, just been doing I it. I just finished the script. Yeah. And so I'm like super immersed in it. So oh that's funny God. that you bring that up. Oh, that's amazing. <laughs> I, I like want to read the script now. That's so fun. <laughs> I, I personally like love that one more than the office i don't know it's also like more vi- my vibe like i love like yeah, same like vampire shit and just like supernatural yeah. but i gothy things it's, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's so funny okay um <laughs> i'm just gonna start like giggling thinking of scenes now but all right and uh, <laughs> final question is where can my listeners find you where can they support what you're doing how can they support what you're doing all that good stuff yeah so thank you great question mm-hmm. um you can find me on instagram or twitter at diosafem you can follow locatora underscore radio listen to locatora radio on all streaming platforms and then we're also fundraising crowdfunding uh, to launch our own production company so we're on the road to 90 days to 100k so it's a big ask but <laughs> you know we think we can do it we'll get there and uh yeah so you can support that that's on an ifundwomen ifundwomen.com slash projects slash locatora dash radio and so you can support that way no amount is too small yeah. uh, we appreciate it amazing and just like last week i will put all that in the show notes you can easily go click on that link and give them some moolah um and when is that going until how long do people have until that particular campaign is over yeah so it's until about early june early to mid-june okay okay yeah and you can keep giving them money after you know there's no there's no stopping point really give us Uh. your money I have I have to say I always appreciate in in the beginning of your episodes being like the Venmo's right there like <laughs> this is still free I'm like this is a blueprint for me because I'm still getting comfortable asking for money but I'm like all this shit is free you're right it like, is free <laughs> it is free and Mala made a point of saying like you know the people that that have all the opinions are the ones that never give you any money mm-hmm. right. And- so true like you can have tons of opinions but when it comes down to it like are you really supporting indie creators yes Mm -hmm. or no right (laughs) exactly um but thank you so much for your time this was such a pleasure thank you so much for having me our original music is produced by carrie blue and everything else is produced by me, myself, and I, Miss Alexandra Cole. And you can follow me on Instagram at Podraland, P-O-D dot D-R-A-L-A-N-D, or Twitter at Podraland, minus the period. And you can find more of what I do on Podraland at www.podraland.com, where I recommend women-hosted podcasts and feature indie women podcasters. So I hope to see you there. Feel free to subscribe to the newsletter. You'll get recommendations and updates about this podcast. And finally, make sure to share this episode, tag us in it, like that shit, give us a review. Anything you do helps not just this podcast get more exposure, but also helps these women's voices be heard by way more people. And ultimately, that's our goal. So let's fucking do it. (laughs) 